Hello everyone and welcome to Games Are Fun, the weekly video game podcast that covers video game news, trending industry topics, and reviews on recent game releases. My name is Luke Armstrong and I am your host. Joining me today is my co-host Adam Beagle. Adam, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm really excited because uh, this episode is the first episode what in at least a long time that feels like we've got like a whole bunch of news to talk about. So yeah, there's some real legit stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's like we're we're getting closer and closer to that time of year. Even with E3 not happening, like there's lots of uh, stuff happening in the industry in the next couple months. So yeah, I'm looking forward to to this episode as well as the the ones for the next couple months. So today we are going to talk about some of that news and that includes the recently announced Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 plus 2 and then we're also going to talk about the new Paper Mario game that Nintendo just announced out of left field even though it was leaked and rumored but uh, they announced that so we'll talk about that announcement trailer and then we're going to talk about Sony's recent state of play that was all about Ghost of Tsushima It was 18 minutes of gameplay. We got a good look, a real first look, I would say, into the game and what kind of the gameplay looks like. So we're going to talk about what they showed off there, give our impressions on that. And then lastly, we're going to end off the show with Unreal Engine 5 was announced last week by Epic and they revealed it through a tech demo. So we'll talk about that tech demo, talk about some of the the tech behind Unreal Engine 5, at least the best that I understand it. Um, We have some articles that help us out with uh, all this news, so we'll get to that when we get to that. But that's what the show looks like this week. Um, There was was even more that I thought about talking. There was like the Mafia trilogy remaster that was uh, announced and then you know we got more details like this morning the day we were recording this but i was just like and there was some other stuff but i'm like i gotta cut it down and condense it as much (laughs) as i can uh to just what i think is the most important from last week so that's what today's episode looks like a reminder that the podcast airs every tuesday each week adam and myself discuss the biggest topics in the video game industry and share opinions on new game releases so if you like Hearing about video games, you've come to the right place. The show is available on all major podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher. Just search for Games Are Fun on whatever podcast service you use and we should pop up on there. If you enjoy the show, it would mean a lot if you could subscribe to us on whatever platform you use. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, maybe consider leaving the show a review you know we have uh, a handful of five star reviews on there and it would be stellar to gain some more reviews from you guys because uh, the more reviews you know someone might come across our podcast see all the five star reviews or at least uh, a larger quantity of reviews and maybe they'll check out the show so that's a great way of up for helping us bring in new listeners and everything like that so if you listen on apple podcasts please take a couple seconds to just leave this show a review that would really help us out and we'd appreciate that a lot. Before we get into talking about some of these topics, uh, one piece of housekeeping to go over, our Final Fantasy VII Remake review slash spoiler cast aired last week. Adam, his brother Steven, and myself joined for a, a pretty lengthy episode. I think it was, what, almost three hours? Something like pretty that? Pretty close to that. Yeah. We did a 
full on review and uh, for the first half. And then the second half is the spoiler part. So where we talk about things that happen, the game's ending, everything like that. So if you haven't you know, beating Final Fantasy VII Remake yet, or you haven't even played it. I mean, the first half of the show is, we we really don't go into any spoiler. I think we talk a pretty much surface level, like, plot, uh, you know, as much as, I mean, as much as the original game showed off, and that game's 20 years old, so I mean, you know, uh, keep that in mind. But yeah, it would mean a lot if you guys could go back and give that episode to listen uh, and thank you so much to everyone who has checked that out we i kind of like doing those big game reviews this is like the third one we've done uh we did one for death mm-hmm. stranding uh animal crossing. animal crossing yeah and then final fantasy 7 so we plan on doing more of these for some of the bigger triple a releases i i guess the next one will probably be the last of us and Sounds about right. yeah and then i'm assuming ghost of tsushima because mm-hmm. i think at the very least, like we we'll, we'll both be getting it, um, and then and then the fall will hit, and I'm sure there'll be lots to plan out there. But yeah, it would mean a lot if you guys could give support to those review episodes by giving them a listen, because they do we do put a lot of work into planning those. Um, you know, not only are do we have to play a 40 hour video game, we spent three hours. Actually, we spent more than that because uh, <laughs> spent a lot more than that. Yeah, this this episode uh, for those of you who might not have heard it was like a bit of a struggle to find time to record it just based on our schedules and stuff happening in personal lives and whatnot so we kept on making like tentative plans to record it and then it just kept getting pushed and then me steven and adam finally sat down to record it and we recorded two and a half hours of the show and then we experienced an interruption that basically made us lose the entire two and a half hours of recording that we had just done so obviously we were quite upset but we, i think it was just what the next day or the couple days after that we got together again and mm-hmm. recorded it and yeah so we basically did that episode twice so a lot of work went into doing that episode so it'd mean a lot if we could get some support on that and i mean i i think it's a really good episode just in general besides Besides that, uh, lots of good discussion. Um, I mean, you and your brother know a lot about Final Fantasy VII, so it was great to have a couple experts on the show talking not only what there is to know about the remake, but just being in for myself who hadn't played the the original, being enlightened on certain you know p- points and plot points and how that game was originally set up. So yeah, please give that a listen. All right, let's get into our first topic, which is Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 Plus 2. So this came out of kind of nowhere, but at the same time, uh, I believe this was rumored. um, I don't know how long ago, but there was rumblings that there was supposed to be uh, a Pro Skater remaster. Uh, I think it was around the same time that uh, Crash Team Racing came out or uh something like that be wrong but i think there were some rumors around e3 last year of it too yeah yeah so yeah it it was uh revealed through uh jeff Keeley's summer gaming fest is that what it's called i keep forgetting oh gosh i can't remember there's so many (laughs) of those things now i know right uh because summer summer game fest i think yeah yeah, that's right because i think ign they haven't done it yet but there's 
there's a summer of gaming right right? yeah and this is very similar but at any rate jeff has this whole you know multiple month long uh event happening to kind of uh it's basically a digital event that this and uh, the unreal engine 5 which we'll talk about at near the end of the show uh he's using this as kind of live streams to you know, do some reveals and stuff like that. So Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 was the first reveal under this this new event that we got this year. So, um, yeah, I'm pulling the some of this information from Activision's game blog uh, to talk about some of the features that are included. But let's just get down to it. So, yeah, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 um, are coming to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One as well as... Uh, PC via Epic Game Store. So that's pretty cool because traditionally Tony Hawk games, the franchise in general is only on console. So it's great that, you know, it seems it seems like it's a no brainer, but that's actually something to note that it is coming to PC. Uh, It's being developed by Vicarious Visions, who is responsible for Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. And uh, I think they also did Crash Team Racing. if I'm not mistaken, but yeah, they're the the studio that is going to be handling this remaster. So yeah, it's supposed to come out on September 4th, 2020, and it basically is going to bring back the original levels of Pro Skater 1 and 2, uh, same tricks, modes, and most of the songs from the iconic soundtrack from both of those games. So uh, and then, yeah, I don't know if I mentioned all the the roster is going to stay the same. So all the people that were in both games are going to make uh, their appearance again. So, yeah, basically, uh, it's it's basically taking those that old school game Pro Skater and Pro Skater 2 and remastering it um, from the ground up. The game looks like a completely new game. It actually looks quite realistic, if I do say so myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, Tony Hawk kind of traditionally in the past um, always kind of had like a a cartoony vibe to it a little bit because Pro Skater is more of a arcadey skateboarding game, not so much simulation. That's obviously the tricks are real. um, The people are real. Some of the places are even real. But Tony Hawk has always kind of had this arcadey kind of gameplay aspect to it that made it more um more more fun and less sim i would say so but this remaster it looks 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 really really solid um so it's going to like i said it's going to have all the original levels um and so it's going to have uh the same kind of solo mode where you have the goals that you need to complete for each level but you can also play that in local co-op or online multiplayer so that's good to see because tony hawk um back in the day for myself i my friends would come over and we would constantly be playing tony hawk and that was one of our go-to kind of couch co-op games and in this day and age it seems like a lot of developers kind of shy away from that and stick to if there's any multiplayer functionality it's usually focused for online so it's great to see that they're bringing that back uh, as well as online modes, which we really haven't seen from this franchise considering um, it's kind of been on its downfall for the last decade, but the game's going to have 4K resolution. Um, 
I actually want to make a note here uh, that the 4K resolution is... Oh, never mind. It is on PS4 Pro, Xbox One X, and supporting PC systems. Because there was, in the trailer, I thought I had seen when it says, like, the 4K visuals or whatever. It, it said just on Xbox in the trailer, I believe. So, anyways, that's confirmed. 4K resolution, um, 60 frames per second. So, that's really, really solid. Uh, Creative Skaters coming back. Creative Park is returning. Uh, but they're supposed to be revamped. Not too many details on how those are revamped, what new features we're seeing from that. But um, those are making its return. Uh, there's going to be a collector's edition where you can get the full game, uh, some digital content, and you can get a full-size skateboard. <laughs> so that is uh, available for $99.99 in the U.S. Uh, the game itself, if you just want the regular version, $39.99. And I think there was like a digital deluxe edition or something like that. Anyways, you get the point. Um, yeah, so that's that's basically everything that we found out about it. Now, I know this, but Adam, does this do anything for you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean... <clears throat> Not really, like, <laughs> and I might be one of the, the very few people that feels that way, but I, I enjoyed the uh, the first Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Um, I never owned it, but I think uh, I think maybe my, my cousin might have had it because I remember playing through, or maybe it was a friend, I'm not sure. I remember playing through a, a decent portion of the first game, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, it was fun. It was It was a good time, but... Um, I'm, I'm not a skateboarder. I've never really been into skateboarding so much. Sure. So, I mean, it just, it's not really a game that speaks to me, but, um, I, I mean, it, it looks great. Um, you know, the build a park thing is really cool. Yeah. Being able to share that with people online is really neat. Totally. Um, so you yeah. kind of have like endless, endless levels to play. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of really great things to like about this. Um, I, but I mean, it comes out just way too close to cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe if there was like really nothing else around, maybe I would have give it, given it a, a second thought. But I mean, at, at this point, I, I don't see myself picking it up. Yeah, I mean, that's totally fair, especially like I think this game kind of like Crash Bandicoot and Spyro did with their remasters is they're they're banking off of like nostalgia. Right. Um, these just like Crash and Spyro, they were very, very well received back in the day. Tony Hawk Pro Skater one and two. Um you know, even though that the first one was the start of the franchise, you know, they they basically were really well received games, um, and so it makes sense that they're revisiting it um, to that for those reasons, I guess. For myself, I mean, I've talked about it on the show before. I'm when I was growing up, I was very much into skateboarding outside of skateboarding video games. I mean, that was like my hobby of choice. I mean, my parents actually built me a half pipe in my backyard. Like that's how nice. <laughs> diehard skate into skateboarding I was. I wasn't like super good by any means, but it was something that as a kid, I really always wanted to do. And then as I got older, um, you know, I made that kind of my, my hobby of choice and was basically when I wasn't playing video games, I was outside skateboarding. So uh, yeah, when I was playing video games, my video games of choice were the Tony Hawk games, you know, uh, pretty much I've played all of them. 
I really enjoyed uh, Pro Skater 2 was actually, I think, my first one that I owned. I got it for PS1, and it's, uh, yeah, it was such a blast. So I'm very nostalgic for 2 specifically, um, but since then, you know, I ended up getting the first one, um, and pretty much... And two- Sorry, go for, go for two, it. Two is pretty much uh, widely renowned as like the the best one of the entire series, right? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of like internal debate with that within the community, I guess, of Tony Hawk Pro Skater games. But uh, I would say so. I think it has a, a solid soundtrack. Every level is pretty pretty top notch. Um, yeah, basically the first one was great, uh, but they just like enhanced that. Uh, experience by like 10 for the for number two in my opinion so yeah i would say a lot of people associate that with being one of the best in the franchise but yeah like uh the the franchise i i I plugged this on the podcast last year because i wrote an article specifically about the rise and the fall of the tony hawk franchise so it's actually a franchise that i've spent a lot of time researching and seeing and Tony Hawk games have had a you know the reason why they were so big is you know that was kind of when video games were uh they they hit on that next gen right PlayStation 1 Nintendo 64 with the first pro skater and you mix that with the fact that skateboarding was part of kind of the culture of the late 90s and early 2000s and so when when something is really popular in the in the mainstream audience and you bring that over into a video game i mean that's why it kind of blew up and then as skateboarding kind of died down so so did the games i guess like they didn't really they just they just ran into uh a lot of issues and stuff i mean i think the nail in the coffin for them is when they decided to jump on the motion control peripheral train and do i think it was tony hawk ride or shred and uh yeah, where they basically took the took the game and made it so that you had to have like a Wii, like it was essentially like a Wii <laughs> Fit board um, to stand on, and it didn't even control great. So <laughs> they they realized their mistake and they tried, you know, even this generation with Tony Hawk Pro Skater Five of trying to bring back that franchise, but that game was trash, like one of the worst games I've honestly played. So. Yeah, I'm. I think it, this looks really promising. It looks really great. Um, I think it's pretty much a guaranteed like seller, and I think it's going to be a really like good game in terms of how it reviews and stuff. So yeah, and then when the, I just wanted to bring up your point with Cyberpunk, I'm totally in the same boat. I'm gonna buy this game, play it up until Cyberpunk, and then I probably won't <laughs> see it for a while. You know. Um, but it will be interesting because I think Avengers also releases on the same day. Uh, oh wow! Yeah. So, and that obviously mm-hmm. was all. I was already nervous for Avengers releasing before Cyberpunk. Um, but now it'll be interesting to see in terms of like the sales for September, where if Tony Hawk could beat out Avengers, like that would be crazy to think. But it, I think it's it's a. A, a game I mean a franchise that people know so it'll be interesting to see what that looks like come come fall but I think there's a solid chance that it could outsell Avengers yeah not so much cyberpunk but I think oh I no think there's there's enough of a fan base and enough people 
that have been craving, uh, you know, Tony Hawk Pro Skater mm-hmm. game that I think there's there's a, a very high possibility that it outsells Avengers, especially with the uh, sort of uh, mixed opinions that people are getting out totally. outside of that, uh, you know, E3 showcase. And yeah. I think there was a, another event where they showed some gameplay. And I, uh, I think a lot of some very mixed opinions on that. So, yeah, Square Enix has to figure out uh, a better better way to show off that game because I feel like that yeah like you said that's everyone's opinion on that right now and it's today um, and then yeah not to mention the fact that this game is going to be cheaper than Avengers so mm-hmm. that in itself is already going to be a, a bigger selling point for a lot of people so yeah I I'm really excited I can't I I was very ecstatic when I saw that obviously um, so yeah I'm I'm glad that we're 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 seeing it. Um, and to though it was funny, all these people were saying, you know, this already exists last gen, and that is true. They did have Tony Hawk Pro Skater HD, but that game was first of all it was digital only, um, and that was also in a generation where I think there was still a lot of people not really on board with buying games digitally yet, and that game also was just a mix of, you know different levels and stuff like that and it was also made by the developer who made five so the game what like it handled great but it the the biggest thing with uh this game that before we move on because i am i gotta be careful not to talk too much about this topic um the they're using the same um i guess mocap from that like neversoft had helped develop that was the biggest thing about uh, the Tony Hawk games, Neversoft just killed it with the physics and uh, how it felt. Um, and so when later developers tried to replicate that same feel, it just didn't never felt the same. So the fact that this game not only looks really great, it's going to feel like, you know, the play, like how we played it, you know, I guess almost 20 years ago at this point. So yeah, uh, really excited and can't wait for September because we're gonna get uh, get lots of good game gaming in with that in Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's move on to our next game reveal, which is Paper Mario: The Origami Origa- Origami King. Sorry, Paper Mario: The Origami King, not the Origami Killer. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, I'm pulling this from Ryan Craddock over from Nintendo Life. So, uh, I'm not going to read the whole article. I'm just pulling a couple points here. Uh, so, this is actually, he just copied and pasted the PR. So, let's, uh, let's, let me read this out and then we can go into what we think of it. So, Mario faces one of his most thrilling challenges yet in Paper Mario the Origami King when the dangerous King Ollie unleashes his plan to fold the entire world just when matters couldn't get it worse he's bound princess peach's castle in giant colored streamers and transported it to a distant mountain he's even transformed bowser's minions into folded soldiers and enlisted them in his treacherous cause luckily mario is equipped with a range of new tools at his disposal to help secure victory one of mario's new abilities called 1000 fold arms allows you to interact with the landscape by stretching out and pulley pulling, peeling, and revealing new locations, helping you to solve puzzles and uncover unexpected surprises. 
Along the way, you'll enlist the help of characters old and new, such as King Ollie's good-natured sister, Olivia, along with a range of unlikely allies, including Bowser himself. If they haven't yet folded to the whims of King Ollie's origami, Will, Mario will accept all the help he can find with open arms. Paper Mario the Origami King also introduces a new ring-based battle system that lets you flex your puzzle-solving skills to line up scattered enemies and maximize damage. While the enemies may be crafted from paper, these dynamic turn-based battles are far from stationary. It'll, re it, it'll require a sharp mind to make short work of these crafty enemies. Uh, Paper Mario the Origami King delivers a grand new adventure on Nintendo Switch for players to wrap themselves up in. This game marks the debut of Paper Mario series on Nintendo Switch, expanding the vast library of games with another standout entry in a beloved franchise. Uh, so it's going to be launching the same day of Ghost of Tsushima on July 17th, um, both physically and digitally, and that's about it. So, Adam, what do you think of First of all, how uh, the, what I wanted to ask you before I asked you what you think of this new Paper Mario game is what did you think of Nintendo just out of nowhere uploading this trailer onto YouTube for the world to see with no real, you know, notice that it was coming? <laughs> yeah, um, that's an interesting one because on the one hand I, I think to myself like gosh I, I just wish there was a, a Nintendo Direct because we know mm -hmm. we're not getting one of those until what would they say now September yeah because they um, said there's definitely not it's been confirmed yeah that there isn't one in the summer yeah. so so I'm bummed that there was no Direct but I'm glad that we're seeing something from Nintendo because I know we've talked on the show like they've been silent since Animal Crossing yeah uh, totally released. like they had those uh, they had an indie showcase and then they had a Nintendo Direct in March. And, you know, it's been radio silence since then. And then they kind of confirmed that there was going to be no uh, June um, Direct like we normally see around E3. Mm -hmm. And and now that it was going to be more likely to be September. So uh, at least we're getting something. And I kind of think it, it, it kind of gives hope, too, that like, they're not just going to leave us dead in the water till September that we're there's still going to be games releasing. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we might get we might get more more trailers like this, you know, over the summer or or whatever, even if it's not a ton of them. You yeah, know, maybe just a few one offs here and there, maybe one a month um, until we do get to a point where they, they give us another direct. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, Nintendo has that track record of just kind of throwing things out there without any real notice. So it's not like it's unlike Nintendo, but yeah, you would expect uh, a big game with one of your biggest franchises to kind of be wrapped up in some sort of thing like a direct. But yeah, I, I there's speculation that maybe this was part of some sort of direct that was originally planned before, you know, the pandemic started and stuff like that. But I don't know like it's it's hard to say it seems a little odd but it doesn't change the fact that it's still a game that's coming right and not only is it coming it's coming really really soon so mm -hmm. what do what do you think of the trailer I think you know more about Paper Mario than I do because I'll just start off by saying I don't know anything really about Paper Mario so maybe you can kind of talk about 
any any of the knowledge you have in the franchise and kind of go into what you think of this specific new title yeah i mean so far i think this one looks great um it, it looks like sort of that return to form which was actually uh, a rumor that we had heard earlier in the year that there was going to be a paper mario that was a return to form so back in nintendo 64 was when paper mario debuted and it was a very uh, turn-based, traditional, like, JRPG-style video game, uh, which was really neat and had some interactive um, interactive things you could do in combat to increase damage uh, and decrease the damage that you take. Um, there was, you know, uh, different companions you could collect that all, all had their own kind of unique play styles and, and ways that they would attack and special abilities, so... Uh, it, it was a really special game with a real cute art style, and then they, they evolved on that with the Thousand Year Door on, on GameCube, which is kind of one of those things where, where the sequel is kind of regarded as, as the best of the series. Um, Thousand Year Door was uh, really well-received, still really well-loved to this date. I think a lot of people um, would have been content if they just ported that over to the Switch, mm-hmm. like, you know, even if they didn't make a new one, if they would have just given a uh, re-release a Thousand Year Door, I think a lot of people would have been real happy with that. Um, but then they started trying to evolve the series, and and the the games that followed weren't as well received. So uh, Super Paper Mario, they turned into more of a uh, 2D, 3D sort of. It, it was just kind of like a exploration platformer. Uh, there were no or not a lot of RPG elements to it. There were no uh, turn-based battles or anything like that. It, it felt, um, I don't know. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the game Fez where you could kind of rotate and and change perspective. And, um, I wouldn't say it was bad. I think, I think I maybe liked it more than a lot of other people did. Um, and then they started going with the sticker format, like, uh, sticker star and, uh, color splash, which, Neither of those were really RPG-based games from what I, I did. I never played Color Splash, um, but I did play Sticker Star, and I did not care for that. I think there was another sticker game, too, and I can't remember. I can't think of the name of it. Hmm. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, they, they weren't really... They, they kind of tried to do the... At least with Sticker Star, they tried to do the, the turn-based battling thing again. But you use stickers kind of like... It, it was almost like a deck builder. Okay. And you would use stickers as sort of like your deck, um, and and you'd use that to fight enemies. But it, it didn't take too long before I realized it doesn't really matter if you fight enemies because I'm, if I recall correctly, there was no experience, there were no levels or anything. So, you know, there was no point in really. It, it felt like there was no reason to fight them because you weren't getting anything out of it besides new stickers that you could sort of deck build with. Mm-hmm. And even then, they were. Uh, again, if I re- recall correctly, I could be wrong on this, but once you used it, it was gone. So it's not like you always just had like these things in your right. deck that you could use over and over. Yeah. So basically by killing an enemy, you might get a new sticker, but that's just basically replacing the ones that you already had. So um, it felt kind of pointless to me. And then there were some really weird um, like boss mechanics where you had to use very specific sort of like I want to call them like summon stickers on on bosses to defeat them but the game was very very um oh gosh cagey on like what you had to do like there was really no direction like you could sit there fighting a boss and be like i have no idea what to do 
and you either have to die or you get so far into the battle and then it finally gives you kind of the idea that you need to to do to defeat the boss and it just felt it didn't feel good and uh i never i never completed it and then color splash came out and it seemed like people liked that one a little bit better but i think it still wasn't the mechanics people wanted and um I never got around to playing it. That was on, I think that was Wii U. And so, I mean, of course, really nobody played it because nobody owned a Wii U. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one does does look like that return to form, um, kind of like what we saw in the original Paper Mario and uh, Thousand Year Door. And it's just, a you know, the trailer was a very small sample size. I'd like to see... Um, I'd like to see more gameplay mm-hmm. to, to kind of know for sure, or maybe if they could release a demo. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's going to be really hard to for this to be a day one purchase if I don't know exactly what I'm getting. Yeah, exactly. So, but I, I'm I'm definitely interested. It's it's 100% on my radar. And it really makes me wonder because along with the rumor of this game, there was a rumor of a new 2D uh, Metroid game. So I'm very curious to know if, because this ended up being real, I'm very curious to see if that Metroid rumor is also real. Yeah, and to even add more rumors, there was the because like the whole rumor or started this rumor was you know talking about uh, Mario's 35th anniversary and how that there was plans to have that as a focus at E3 2020, and alongside this uh, that there was also supposed to be either ports or remakes or remasters of um so i think it was like super mario 64 uh sunshine and then just galaxy i think just the first galaxy game Mm. so i mean yeah like if if those rumors all those rumors were are true i mean we see the first piece that turned out it was correct um i suspect that yeah by next month hopefully Nintendo because we know where they're not doing a direct so yeah it'd be great to kind of see if they kind of sprinkle announcements out because yeah even even after this we still don't really know what Nintendo looks like for the rest of the year right Mm -hmm. like Animal Crossing started the year strong for Nintendo really strong and you know this is uh I think Xenoblade Chronicles is released if not like it's got to be soon. It might be I, this month. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it it's this month, this actually. Month. Yeah, and then you know, a uh, couple more months, you have Paper Mario. So, what does Fall Nintendo look like, right? So, we do also know that there's the uh, the two Pokemon Sword and Shield updates coming. Right, that's a good uh, point. I, what is, I think it's July for that too. I believe so. Yeah. And then September, I think, for the second one. I think so. Yeah, summer and fallish or something like that. So. Um, but again, DLC, right? So it's like, yeah. what we and we know that there's games that have been announced, like Bayonetta three or Metroid Prime four, or the Breath of the Wild, Breath of the Wild two, two. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like these are games that have already been announced that we know nothing about. So I, I'm really hoping that we hear updates from honestly all three of those. I think that's a big a bit of an ask to hear hear stuff on. <laughs> I think that's a pretty sure bet that we're not going to hear those until the next direct, at least. So we're probably yeah. looking at least September before we hear about those. Yeah. So I, I mean, at this point, I don't think I, I pretty much figured Metroid Prime 4 wasn't coming out this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think Bayonetta 3 was kind of iffy, but I think at this point that's probably not coming out this year. Um, 
and Breath of the Wild 2, which a lot of people speculated would be this year. I'm kind of thinking that's that's not coming out this year either. But, you know, maybe maybe they will. You know, yeah. we'll just have to wait and see for their next direct. I think, yeah, if anything, it would be one of those. And I definitely don't think it's Metroid Prime 4 um, could maybe come out by the end of the year for as their big like holiday release. But again, like this, I don't know. It's just like Nintendo's so hard to predict because they literally announce stuff like this and that we've sat on for multiple years. Like they've had that with some of their previous generations, you know, and then they'll do things like, boom, Link's Awakening is Mm -hmm, a real thing and it's coming out at the end of the year and same with this one here's here's a new brand new paper mario game and it's coming out in a couple months so it's like they don't really have any pattern to really go off of it's just kind of speculation but yeah i i think at the very least we'll we'll get a couple more uh, at least one more big triple a game from nintendo i think some sometime at the end of the year but who knows Mm -hmm. i mean the pandemic has really I think changed a lot of plans uh, that these companies have had, but so yeah, I uh, I agree. Going back to Paper Mario, that it's I'm not immediately sold on it either, just because yeah, there's a lot of questions still, even after that trailer. You know, hearing some other podcasts, um, hearing people talk about it and their impressions is yeah, they 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 like what they see, but they're it's really hard to see exactly everything paper mario has to offer in like a four minute video right so it would be great to see some gameplay uh of what certain things look like especially like the combat system they you know i talked about with how it's a little bit of a new combat system with the whatever it was like the coins or something like that um yeah yeah flex your puzzle solving skills to line up scatter enemies and maximize damage or ring based battle system not coins um so yeah like i'm interested in seeing what that looks like a little bit more going a little bit more in depth but i don't know if we're we'll probably get a like i don't know it's so hard because there's no direct now so it's like do we get another trailer that is like more gameplay focused or do they just release this game with a launch trailer and that's that like it's really hard to say I don't think there's there's any I don't think there's any chance that we don't see more of this game before it comes out so I I think you know at this point it's probably just going to be like another yeah uh YouTube video drop that they do um but I I do 100% think we're going to see more of this before it comes out so yeah. you know maybe sometime next month we'll get the cuz they they like to do that they like to um, and maybe they will like have a sp- kind of like a specific direct type, f- like, you know, like they do with like a Pokemon or like sure. they did with Animal Crossing where it's not like, like, boom, boom, boom. Here's all these games. It's not a Nintendo like a Direct, focused, but yeah, it's a, yeah, you it's know, a game. Paper Mario Direct. Yeah. 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 Or even if, I mean, Jeff has a good relationship with Nintendo. Could he, you know, with with the unreal engine five and the Tony Hawk, like he had interviews after the reveal. So it would be, mm-hmm. it would make sense for maybe developers to, to show this off kind of like what they do with uh, Treehouse live. Right. Um, but just having that as more of a, a digital video kind of sequence. So yeah, once, once I see that, I think I'll be able to determine 
whether or not I'll get. I know I'm not getting it day one because I'm, 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 I'm sold on Ghost of Tsushima, which mm. we'll talk about here next. But uh, I, I do want to pick it up um, at some point down the road. Uh, just probably not on the day it comes out. So, speaking of Ghost of Tsushima, let's jump into that next topic. So, this was a, another kind of thing that kind. I say kind of comes out of left field because of the way they they marketed this as a state of play. So Sony said last week that a, ne- a new state of play was coming. The first one that we've had, I think, since last like winter. I think it was like December or November something or something like that. Like that. Yeah. that we got the last one because I think we only got three last year or something. Yeah, that sounds right. And, yeah, and so... Uh, and then listening to Greg Miller from Kind of Funny uh, talk on PS I Love You, I think it was, they were talking about Sony State of Plays and how the way they revealed State of Play sounded as if it was like a thing for 2019, not necessarily a thing that was going to, just the wording uh, behind it made it sound like, hey, this year we're going to try this out. Um, but it's good to see that we are going to continue seeing these state of plays and it's kind of cool that uh they decide to do a game specific one just like we were talking about with nintendo directs so this sony state of play was literally just a presentation for ghost of tashima specifically gameplay and so we got to look at ghost of tashima in action we got to see combat um both uh samurai combat as well as stealth combat um customizations for Jin, the protagonist you play, some photo mode features, uh, and some other stuff that we'll get into here first. So let me kind of, we'll take this piece by piece and we can kind of give impressions as we go along maybe. So right off the bat, uh, they wanted to show a little bit of exploration in Ghost of Tsushima. So the biggest thing that they biggest like bullet point that they pointed out was kind of the the game's lack of i guess a, a hud really um the game or the gameplay starts off with Jin's character kind of looking at, uh, off on a mountain or hill type of scape and you the yeah it's like that's the gameplay there is no mini map there's no uh like compass at the top or anything like that and basically to pull to figure out where you need to go where uh like your waypoint and everything like that uh the game actually uses the wind as a way to kind of guide you so that's one of the first things that they showed off is that Jin basically the player can summon this function and it shows a gust of wind traveling in the direction that you need to go so yeah you can pull up your map set a waypoint and that's the kind of way that it guides you so you know that's that's i personally found that kind of interesting um they're clearly going for that cinematic experience with goto tsushima with the lack of a hud and everything like that and so it's cool that they're using something like that that still fits in that cinematic kind of uh perspective that they're going for and and make make that a gameplay element right so i, I what, what did you think of of that and sorry i guess i should also add the the idea of animals that you come across like birds you know 
flying and guiding you to points of interest or uh, they showed a fox that you kind of come up, come up against and uh, it takes you over to a shrine. So Adam, what were your thoughts around using the world as ways to getting around? I think it's, I think it's fine. Um, <laughs> if they had added a HUD, that would have been fine too. Um, you know, everything about this game looks great. So, you know, it, it doesn't, for me, like, you know, maybe I wouldn't mind if they had like a, a HUD that you could toggle on and off and just kind of use, uh, you know, nature to, to guide you. I think it's great. Yeah. And not, like, I think I would lean towards that, but I think having an option to, uh, would be a nice thing to have, mm-hmm. but but yeah, I, th- I think it's great. I think it um, I think it'll work just fine, and the the world looks beautiful. Looks very open. Looks like uh, it, almost Breath of the Wildy. Totally, yeah. Um, and and that really that really goes a long way for me. So so yeah, I think it looks great. Yeah, the that first part of the trailer where they're talking about the exploration, they show off some different locations and stuff like that, and. Yeah, very vivid, very colorful. Breath of the Wild vibes for sure. Um, just kind of based on the the landscape of everything and and the bright colors. And so, I think it looks really fantastic too. And I yeah, I just like I said, I think it's kind of cool that they're bringing in little things in the world um, that kind of play a role in your gameplay experience. I think that that's not you know, something that's brand new to the industry or anything like that, but it's just a cool way to kind of keep the game cinematic for those people that find that important while also still making it a video game, right? That's the hard thing to sometimes balance is if we add too much, then it kind of totally takes the person out of this kind of setting and tone that we're going for. But if we remove too much, then it's like, okay, am I watching a movie or am I playing a video game? Right? So, uh, and they, they do have some things that actually you'll this was a comparison that was made and understandably is it will also compare to like Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Origins like the newer Assassin's Creed mm-hmm. games because uh, yeah when you're getting close to enemy you can see the little thing that pops up to show if you're being detected or not like that like the white gauge is filling up um, even just uh, bringing up the mini map and seeing question marks of points that you haven't discovered yet so it's uh the exploration and the world look really cool and unique while at the same time feeling familiar and i don't think there's anything wrong with that i don't think they're they need to make things brand new and never seen before doing stuff that developers have yet to have tried i think it's okay taking formulas that have worked and integrating them into their own world in their own setting so uh next we kind of got a look at the combat so like i said both samurai action and ghost stealth combat so um as a samurai you uh, can carry your katana and your longbow um there's some parrying going on um and as well as like critical finisher attacks and stuff like that the trailer if you haven't watched the gameplay yet i mean it's worth checking out if you're into crazy combat because it is it is pretty graphic like there's uh some moments where Jin is like cutting off these other enemy these enemies arms and stuff like that and there's blood flying everything um i i wanted to to 
point out that I actually, in seeing these combats, felt that the animations of the enemies seemed quite realistic. Uh, it was really cool, both this and the, the ghost combat, because, again, not really doing too much to change up the formula of stealth combat. Um, I mean, instead of, like, throwing rocks or whistling like in Assassin's Creed, Jin's throwing firecrackers to grab enemies' attentions and lure them over to certain places and, you know, can do those stealth takeouts um, silently and assassinate people. That That is very familiar to what we have, but uh, the, the way that the combat looked just... Um, it, I thought it just looked really realistic, right? Uh, in terms of how the enemies were reacting after having their arms cut off and, you know, getting impaled with swords. They they looked like they were real people dying, mm. essentially, right? It didn't they didn't go ragdoll physics and just float onto the ground, right? Um, and then seeing some of the enemies like be scared of of Jin as after he's attacked, like trying to run away and stuff like that all felt uh it, it didn't feel like canned animations it looked like real reactions to to <laughs> to what someone would do if they saw that kind of stuff so was there anything in the combat that stuck out to you um i mean you, you pretty much nailed it there yeah. i mean uh it i like that there's sort of two different styles you can go for like I'm not really much of a stealth guy, Me so like I'll, I'll probably lean a little bit more towards the samurai side of things yeah. and just kind of go head on. But uh, the the go the gameplay for the ghost style looked really really cool. The uh, the sort of you know utility items that you use to you know gain attention mm-hmm. or there's the smoke bombs to kind of uh, get yourself out of out of a detected state and uh, it, it it looked great um, yeah. and sort of the combat and like you mentioned with parrying and and things like that it looked you know pretty fluid looked really nice like you said the animations and uh you know reactions were all great i i like that we kind of now have a little bit more clear idea of what the combat is Mm -hmm. because i know in the the initial trailers and stuff it it was kind of one of those things like okay is this going to be a little bit more towards assassin's creed or is this going to be a little bit more towards sekiro right um so what kind of difficulty are we going to be getting out of this game? And it, it, I'm sure there's difficulty settings. Um, but as far as like the actual gameplay, it looks more like Assassin's Creed totally. style, which which I'm actually happy about. Yeah, me too. Um, I also think it's kind of a uh, kind of a funny flex of them putting this out when they did shortly after the quote unquote gameplay reveal of yeah, uh, totally. Assassin's Creed Valhalla, because yeah. I mean, people have been asking for feudal Japan Assassin's Creed for years and years. Yeah. And, uh, so sucker punch was like, you know what? Um, you know, people obviously want that. Let's go ahead and do it. Yeah. And, um, so that's what it looks like they're doing here, you know, with, with com- at least with the combat side of things. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, you know, that's kind of, kind of funny, you know, if, if Ubisoft was ever planning to go that route yeah. with Feudal Japan, it, the, the bar I think is going to be set real high for him. But, oh, totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, just again, the, the combat, I think it looks fun. I think it's going to be something that, um, you know, there's not going to be a skill cap to it, like a game like Sekiro, like where you have to be, you know, you just kind of have to be good at Souls games to right to be able to play Sekiro and and I think that's not going to be a problem with this game which I really like you know the the two different styles you can choose from hopefully you can kind of bounce back and forth between them 
I, like, I hope it's not one of those things where like, you kind of just have to choose one and lean into it. Otherwise, you know, you can level up them both at the same time, but neither of our, neither of them are going to be like really great mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, points are going in certain, you know, split between them instead of focused on one path. So it'll be, uh, I don't know if they explain that at all in the, the video. All they really do is they talk about how the, what like Jin's armor is play. and how, oh, yeah, yeah. how that can play a role. Cause like mm-hmm. you, if you're, you're playing as a samurai, you need to have the armor pieces for that. And you know, you're going, you're not going to be able to move as fast and the range of motion is probably limited. Whereas, you know, ghost, you're probably have a lot less armor on, but maybe that's going to play a role in how well you're defended if you get hit or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, if they have abilities that you can upgrade within samurai or ghost mode or whatever, or if it's just kind of like abilities that you can, can use and it really comes down to you of what you're wearing in, and how, how that affects your, your combat, I guess. So, um, yeah, so, there's that. Uh, and then a couple more points uh, to add is, uh, yeah, there is going to be a Japanese voice track, which a lot of people, including myself, was uh, wondering because in previous trailers we had seen these Japanese men <laughs> speaking English. And, um, I mean, I understand there's always that debate uh, um of like dub versus sub and for me if the game is set in japan and it is full of japanese culture and history i i want to play the game in japanese right uh for me personally if it's something that is a little bit more fantasy like um even if it uh holds stylistic choices that fit with japanese culture i mean if it if it if it's not like a real world thing it doesn't necessarily need to be but i just find like games like yakuza um or specifically this ghost of tsushima they should be played in japanese because it's it's a japanese story and everything like that so i'm for sure i can say without a doubt um going to play the whole game with subtitles um it was so funny though because in the gameplay they were like we have this uh japanese voice track with subtitles and then they show the japanese language but there's like no subtitles which is kind of like (laughs) show us don't tell us you know but um you can also uh have a optional kind of it's inspired from samurai films of you can play the game completely from the very start in black and white um, with kind of like a film grain filter over top. What do you think of that? I think it's it's fine. But yeah. I mean, I, to be honest, like this game is too gorgeous, I think, to oh. play in black and white. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I that's what I said to Meg when I showed her this uh, gameplay and stuff because she's playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So I'm like, oh, this will totally be up your alley. I think this is a game you should try out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is really, really cool, but because um, it, it definitely changes the tone of the game. But yeah, the whole selling or one of the selling points for me on this game is the visuals. And so I don't really want to hide up those bright, vivid colors with black and white. But mm-hmm. I do appreciate that they're going for a certain style style that pays homage to old samurai films. And yeah, even just seeing on Twitter, like 
people who are into that kind of stuff, that was a, a selling point to them that really speak to them. So again, none of these things are bad things that, uh, they're, they're just additional things that, you know, will speak to some people, but not every single person that's playing the game. So I think the more of that, that there is in games, the, the better the experience will be overall. So, and then, uh, yeah, they detailed, uh, photo mode, which I will say it's nice to see that a photo mode is in a game from the get go. Cause sometimes there's certain games that I want a photo, like final fantasy seven. I wanted that photo mode and on day one, cause there was experiences and Sure, I took some screenshots, but there's still like the HUD there and and whatnot. Like it would have been cool to have a free roam camera to take some cool shots with. Um, I really messed around a lot in Spider-Man with that. And, uh, you know, that was something that I would have done probably with Death Stranding, but photo mode didn't come out until this year. So, or late last year or something like, no, I think it was this year. And so, yeah, I, I just wanted to make the point that it's great to see a photo mode in a game when it launches so that if I want to use it, I can, because I definitely am not going to use it eight months from now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, another cool little addition to this photo mode is you can change uh, some of the things going on uh, in the background and stuff. So you can change, uh, you know, particles in the air uh, to like sand blowing or uh, flowers blowing or leaves blowing in the wind, changing the the music. If you wanted to create a little short film and stuff like that, um, so yeah, I, what I'm excited for with this photo mode is I don't really care about it. I'm probably not going to be making little short videos and stuff like that and editing them. But what's cool is it's like we're gonna see the Ghost of Tsushima subreddit like full of these cool little, um, you know creations that people come up with which again is really smart because i think it helps sell this game to people who maybe don't really know much about it or aren't necessarily sold on once they start seeing these things pop up hopefully that's a a way to help market their game too because yeah ghost of tsushima like we said up until now a lot of people were weren't quite sure on on the game um so you said you're 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 ready for it. Uh, did this help? You know, increase your hype level on it, or are you just feeling the same way you did before you saw this gameplay? Yeah, no, this this definitely increased my hype levels because now I understand more of what the game is, mm-hmm. um, more about you know the exploration, combat. A lot of questions were answered during this, so yeah, I'm. I'd say this is probably as of right now. Um, Aside from, you know, Cyberpunk, this is like, you know, my most anticipated game of, of games that have been announced mm-hmm. for this year. Um, you know, definitely more hype for it than, than The Last of Us. Like, I, I've kind of fallen off the hype train of, of Last of Us Part 2, to be honest. But this game is like, I'm super looking forward to it. Like, I cannot wait for Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. Yeah, I, I said the same thing in our group chat as I'm actually more hyped for this game than The Last of Us Part 2. And that's crazy because Last of Us, like the first one, is... I put it in probably number two as like... My, oh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, like it, it's incredible. But And we've had this discussion on the show before. I don't necessarily think that it needed a sequel. I'm excited for the sequel. I'm sure I'll love it. Um, but yeah, there's some... For some reason, I'm not like 
as excited for that game as I am for for this one. Um, definitely nowhere as near as excited as I am for Cyberpunk. But yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I really am hoping that this game just does really really well and is really well received because looking at this gameplay just even though it was only 18 minutes like it's it looks promising to me um but i still even after this there are some you know i've seen some people on twitter still talking about how they're still not 100 percent sold and so it's like hmm. i don't i i think it it helps sell for a lot of people um but i don't know i think this game just needs to come out and hopefully it's well received and that will really push it um uh, even more so yeah, it's a real shame that it got that it got delayed into July because mm-hmm. it was originally going to come out in June, right. right? Yeah. But then with the de- with the delay of The Last of Us, they pushed it back to July. Exactly. And, yeah. You know, I almost kind of wish that this would have come out in June still, and then maybe uh, Last of Us came out in July. But yeah, you know, I at least with this this way, I think I'll because Last of Us Part Two is going to be very linear. And so I'll be able to kind of put the attention towards that, play it, and then kind of be done with it. That's true. Whereas this is going to be open. And yeah, maybe I'll, I'll like, really, I don't know of any games until Tony Hawk (laughs) between (laughs) July and and September, you know, and then getting ready for Cyberpunk. So I think it's a good time for it to release um, in terms of, yeah, Sony first party games. I think the order, order will help it. So... Yeah, that's it for that. Anything else you want to add or ready to move on? Uh, Nope, that's it. Yeah, it looks great. Can't wait. Yeah. All right. Now to end off the show with our last topic. Um, So this is the Unreal Engine 5 announced. So this was after, I think it was the last Monday, we got the Tony Hawk reveal. And then literally the next day, uh, Jeff, you know, got with epic games and they revealed unreal engine 5 so this is obviously the next gen game engine um created by epic and it's going to release 2021 i believe is what it said correct uh sorry i'm just scrolling through yeah i think they're gonna yeah they're gonna preview the engine available in 2021 yeah. i believe yeah. yeah it says available in preview early 2021 with a full release scheduled for later that year and it will support current gen and next gen consoles so yeah so basically this was kind of interesting because we were talking about uh next gen graphics and we mm-hmm. were talking about that with the inside xbox episode because we saw some third-party and I say this with air quotations, you can't say it, gameplay of Xbox Series <laughs> X games. And we're yeah. all just talking about how they didn't really stand out. But, you know, keep in mind that all those games were developed with Unreal Engine 4, which is being used on current gen. So uh, we knew it was just a matter of time before we got this announced. And they announced it. They showed the tech demo, which was running in real time on PlayStation 5. So let's kind of jump into some of these things. So... Keep in mind that I'm going to be using a lot of probably tech talk that I don't even have a full understanding at. So if anything I say sounds really confusing, just know that I'm not really sure what I'm saying to begin with. So <laughs> keep please keep that in mind. Uh, but yeah, the, the tech demo itself was kind of like 
almost like a Tomb Raider Uncharted kind of vibe of this uh, cave. And yeah, it starts off kind of really talking about the lighting and stuff like that. Uh, so I'm pulling this from Matt Kim over at IGN. So I'll start off with this paragraph. The demo shows a woman venturing into a rocky cavern and discovering a hidden temple. The demo makes a particular point to highlight how light and objects react dynamically, and the demo ends with a thrilling flight through a crumbling canyon. All the assets and visuals in the demo are reacting in real time, meaning the PlayStation 5 is processing the demo as it happens. Um, So let's go into some of the things here. So Epic Games founder and CEO Tim Sweeney explained Unreal Engine 5 is meant to do things that are absolutely not possible today. This means offering new levels of photorealism and visuality, but also offer these tools in a way that increases the productivity and efficiency of game developers. Lumen and Nanite are not just order of magnitude leaps in visual quality, but they're also greatly simplifying technologies for artists who build content. The goal, according to Kim library is to make game worlds as immersive and realistic as modern movies but where the goal differs from previous game generations is how interactive that realism is while games this generation and older are detailed and realistic they're also static the lumens and nanite demo showcase multiple instances where changes in the environment happen in real time and unreal engine 5 is capable of rendering these changes immediately when rocks crumble it's not a pre-rendered cutscene but a high resolution rock a- asset moving in real time based on the player's actions when a light source changes it's not multiple tricks to stimulate a flashing light but real time processing power at work if you notice most video games today are pretty static environments you know, things don't change, there's not a lot of cause and effect, you're lucky if you can change the state of a game and come back and it's actually changed. Unreal Engine 5 allows everything to be dynamic. Uh, Epic is quick to point out that the quality of the assets used for the demo, which they say are film quality assets as opposed to the ones typically used for video games. While movie level visuals are often higher quality, video game assets are lower resolution and are buoyed by development tricks to make them seem more realistic. The interesting thing is a lot of the times artists are having to make those super high poly models anyways, they just have to take an extra step and build the low poly model put a lot of time and care into that, and then bake all the high-quality details into a normal map, says Epic Games VP of Engineering Nick Penwarden. Now they don't have to do the extra work of building that optimized low-poly asset, and they get higher-quality visuals. What's more, Epic says that the level of quality seen in the demo is going to be easier to replicate, especially from smaller developers who previously didn't have the scale or time to render games at this level. Assets at this kind of level and quality will be available on the Unreal Store for others to develop, developers to easily use. Um, so, uh, for example, Fortnite will be released on next-gen consoles at launch and will be migrated to Unreal Engine 5 in mid-2021. Sweeney says Fortnite will likely be the first game running on Unreal Engine 5, but there are plenty of next-gen games currently in development using Unreal Engine 4, and even some first-party games will use Unreal Engine, though Sweeney did not specify whether it's Unreal Engine 4 or 5. And yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. I mean you need to just go watch it for yourself because the mm-hmm. it speaks for yourself. It's like... It's very I, impressive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, with that, w- what else do you think of it? What do you... First of all, how do you feel about these tech demos? Um, and then 
with this one specifically, did it do anything to get you excited for next gen? It did, yeah. It it definitely shows uh, sort of that the the promise of what next gen could be. Because again, coming off of the uh, Series X, again, quote unquote, <laughs> uh, gameplay, it it kind of made people want, like we knew visually, like you know, the the jump from current gen to next gen wasn't going to be huge. Mm-hmm. But then we see this, and then it's like, okay, the jump is actually pretty significant. Um, because that tech demo looked amazing. Like it, you can clearly see all the things that current gen consoles can't do. Um, and even though like it wasn't necessarily like all graphical, like it's all the things going on at a time. And you see, um, you know, kind of like that that little flight sequence at the end. Like everything that was going on in that and the speed at which it was moving, um, all felt definitely like something current gen can't handle. Like it was. Um, again just very impressive what they did Mm -hmm. and it does it does get me excited for uh for next gen but on the other hand uh this is a tech demo this is something they've been working on for a while it it took them a while to create this i think they said since like september-ish of last year Mm -hmm. to make what a 10 minute sequence (laughs) tops uh, because most of that was them stopping and explaining and looking around um so when it comes to making a full game with this type of uh, creativity, uh, design, like I, I know they're saying things are going to be simplified, but like we're not like, you know, they're they're not releasing this to developers until next year, mm-hmm. uh, possibly not until the end of towards the end of next yeah. year, because because the, the way things are rolling out. So we're not going to see a game on UE5 for a long uh, for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this sort of promise that we're seeing from this engine um, might not really come to fruition until we're years into the uh, the console's life cycle. So it's it's exciting, but at the same time, it's also kind of like thanks, like you know, very sarcastically, like hey, thanks, like because yeah. we can't do anything with this yeah, right now. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of just dangling a carrot in front of us, and, and again, like you know, first party studios are going to have their own engines that they work with. So we're going to see great games and we're going to see high, high quality stuff. But, you know, for we see how many games run out of Unreal Engine 4 right now. There's a ton of games. Oh, so, so many. And eventually we'll see a ton of games running out of Unreal 5, but it's just it's a ways off. So it's yeah. exciting, but it's also, you know, kind of big whoop right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you put it perfectly. Something to kind of get us excited with you know the release of ps5 and xbox series x right around the corner but at the same time it's yeah it's not really doing too much for us in the immediate future here um but i i guess it's a a good way to help consumers understand um i mean that that's the whole reason why they do this they've they do have done tech demos all previous generations right so it's uh it's just comforting for the consumer, especially it, like like you said, the timing of of things were couldn't have been more perfect for them. Of just people were talking about this and how games will look on next gen. It's like okay, here is a, a discussion point. Here's what they can look like. Are they going to look like that at the end of this year? No, but maybe a couple years down the road, we're going to start seeing more and more games pop up that meet this this level and. It also, you know, this is just Unreal Engine 5, obviously one of the most used engines around the world, but 
there's lots of other great engines out there, uh, you know, right now. And so it, what excites me is, okay, Epic has been able to do this with Unreal Engine 5. What what are those other impressive engines right now? What are those going to look like in a couple years on these, these next-gen consoles, right? They're probably going to be meeting that kind of level, um, and especially those engines that are developed by those uh, first-party developers and everything like that. So the ones that are, are going to be fueled financially and be able to to meet uh, some pretty high expectations and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it's really exciting, really fun to watch. But at the same time, it's, yeah, it was just a cool, cool video. Um, exciting to see where things go. But um, other than that, that's all it really is right now as a video. So, yeah, um, I guess that kind of concludes our, our big topics for this episode. So let's move into what we've been playing. So Adam, why don't you kick it off? Okay. Um, so for I, there's two games I've been playing, and they both stem from I just built a new PC, gaming PC. Yeah. Um, which, on the one hand, I'm really excited about. Um, I did have some weird technical issues at the start that were I found very frustrating. I was <laughs> I was really uh, annoyed at the whole process yeah. this weekend. And this isn't the first one I built. Like I, the last one I used was one that I built uh, several years ago, and I had zero issues with. And then right off the bat, this one was given was just rebooting out of nowhere. Uh, specifically, when I'd play Final Fantasy fourteen. And which isn't shouldn't be all that demanding, mm-hmm. but maybe it, it's deceptively demanding. I don't know. But uh, so I got things kind of under control now. So on the one hand, I'm really excited for it. On the other hand, uh, this Unreal demo um, made me want to cry a little bit because <laughs> I just bought all these parts. And I'm right. like, this kind of makes my computer look like trash now. Sure. Yeah. But again, we're that we're not even going to see that tech for years yeah so it's going to be fine <laughs> yeah um so yeah so i i've been playing more final fantasy 14 um i'm not sure if i mentioned this the last time but i i did finally roll credits on the Shadowbringers uh deal or uh expansion um and i'm currently working on the sort of uh post-game content like the additional post-game patches that they add yeah where they add additional story and dungeons and stuff. So um, I'm starting to, to work through some of that. But I've also just been going back because a, a friend of mine just just picked it up again for the first time in forever. And uh, so I've been playing that with him and, and my brother, Steven. And uh, so he's he's much lower level. So I've just, you know, mostly been getting on and kind of running things with him, trying to get uh, his job some levels up. And so I've been leveling up some things. Uh, that I had lower leveled, and so that's been fun. Nice. Um, but then I also started playing Control, and so far I'm I'm into it. A um, lot lot of good things to say about it. It's running great. Um, so part of the the issues that I had were with my graphics card. Well, I got a it was an EVGA uh, NVIDIA card the 2060 ko um 
which is basically the cheapest card you can get with ray tracing on it. So gotcha. I was playing control with, with ray tracing and max settings and all that. And uh, it ran really well. The The card ran hot and loud, which was kind of an issue. Mm-hmm. And and really, I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm actually sending that card back because it was the card's fault that my computer was rebooting. Oh, really? It, only on Final Fantasy fourteen. I don't know. It's a whole story. But <laughs> I, I play fourteen the most, so yeah. it's like you need to have the game. That, yeah. yeah. So I actually have a different card in there now. It's a Radeon fifty six hundred XT. So neither of them are like top end cards, but they're they're per they're, like they're great for ten eighty p. You know, over sixty frames a second, mm-hmm. all that. But uh, for the limited time that I had the Nvidia card in. I was using ray tracing because the Radeon doesn't have it. Uh, it was kind of really cool. It was just very, from what I could tell, you know, untrained eye and all that. It, the effects seemed very subtle, but they were really good. Yeah. Um, so that was really neat to see. But control in general, uh, so far I'm really liking it. I'm only a couple hours in, uh, but it is definitely sort of this like, um, you know, I think I think Garrett put it perfectly in in our group chat where it's kind of like that X Files y Twilight Zone type oh, type totally. vibe to it, yeah. which um, I'm really digging right now. Um, it, it's it's interesting that it that it feels very modern, but also very like old school at the same time mm-hmm. um, in terms of like environment, like even just like furniture and and the the way the building is designed. Like it feels like. I don't know. I want to say like '60s era ish. Yeah. Um. Some six. Yeah, '50s, '60s, something like that. Yeah, um, that, that's totally like the the vibe. I think that they're yeah, they're like, going like for. the aesthetic of it yeah. feels like that. But obviously, things are more modern mm-hmm. because the way people are dressed, um, or you know, specifically your main character and yeah, and things like that. So it's got this kind of weird mesh of of that. But yeah, um. You know, reading some of the in a lot of games, I kind of skip reading like the documents and emails and right. all the things that you can read. But I've actually been taking the time and reading a lot of the stuff that uh, there's, there's sort of um, logs that you can collect mm-hmm. along the way. And there's some really interesting stuff there. Uh, there's a lot of things relating to like urban legends and and paranormal activity and you know how that relates to whatever sort of scientific work this this building does and and their investigation of these things um i'm really interested to see see where all that goes um hopefully a lot of that stuff is addressed in the story because i mean a lot of it is just kind of um feels like very side content Mm -hmm. so there might not be a lot of explanation for a lot of the stuff that i'm i'm seeing and 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 reading but i'm hoping there is some additional context that goes through because a lot of stuff you pick up it's it's all government documents so there's a, a ton of shit that's redacted from those and like i like i just want to read what <laughs> yeah. i want to read what's behind all the redacted stuff yeah um and i can't do that but um i don't know if it's just because they lack the creativity to fill in those blanks or <laughs> to leave it to the imagination of the player who knows yeah um but but yeah so i i want to know more and uh you know, I, I'm not sure how far I'm in. I, I don't think it's very far. Like, it's basically just that first floor. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, you got a lot to go. <laughs> so I'm, okay, good. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm glad that it that it goes on for a while because I've been, I've been really taking my time to 
um, just kind of exploring and stuff because it's 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 all really interesting. And again, yeah. it looks great because I am able to play at the max settings with with great frame rates and all that. Um, it, it's definitely a, a weird. Uh, there's a lot of weird contrast and lighting in the game. Like um, you get into some really dark sections, mm-hmm. but then, um, you know, they, there's a lot of red lights yes. that um, <laughs> are used along with those dark sections. And it, it feels, I don't know, like, it, like it's going to put a strain on my eyes almost. Right. Um, so that's, that's been kind of weird to kind of get past, but, um, but yeah, it, and it, it, it's really interesting how they take kind of like a drab sort of office building, but then turn it into uh, something that just looks really great. Mm-hmm, um, totally. The the design of everything looks really good. So I'm, and that's just, you know, like I said, the first couple hours, that's it. So like, I'm really looking forward to see what else this game has to offer. That's awesome. I know you weren't super, super fond yeah, of Yeah, like I, I liked the game. I really liked the combat. Um, the combat yeah, was combat's real fun. Was fun and unlocking new abilities and, uh, you know, different types of uh, weapons and everything like that is really, really solid because I feel like the combat continues to evolve as the game progresses. Um, and, you know, you kind of use these things you learn in the the final of the game which is you know always a good thing and i just yeah i didn't you know i will say you talk you mentioned reading the logs and and hearing audio tapes and things like that um i'm i'm fine with those in games when there's an overwhelming amount it can sometimes uh i i hit a point personally where i just like will then kind of not engage with them <laughs> too much um, depending on like where I'm at in the game and stuff like that. Cause I, I remember I started strong doing all that and yeah. then I kind of stopped and I feel like my opinion of not really being a fan of the story, um, and feeling that that, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but this is just my opinions of it is service level. I just didn't think I didn't, the story didn't do much for me, but again, I wasn't reading those things. So I'm sure if I was reading them, you know, I would probably, have have more opinions and and have more knowledge about what was going on in this world and stuff but yeah i i uh i understand why people really like and i and i honestly do understand why it was winning game of the year awards um although personally i wouldn't put it into um, like one of the best games i've played but definitely fun and it was the first game i played on my xbox one x um so it was my real first you know, I had my PS4 Pro for like a month prior to that, but I, I got to say it, like the X is just much better than the Pro in terms of, um, in, in my opinion, I, I there's probably not too much of a visual difference, but it just ran solid. Like the game, mm. the frame rate was fresh. Um, there was no texture pops that I ran into. It just, it ran really, really well. Um, so yeah, that, I'm yeah. glad that you uh, are finally getting a chance to check it out because having yeah. played it and knowing your games that you're into, I think you will enjoy the rest of it too. So it'll be interesting to hear how your thoughts evolve and progress. And it's something that I'd been wanting to pick up for a while. I yeah. was, was kind of just always holding out hope that it was going to come to Game Pass. And yeah. uh, and then I got my computer and then um, you know, I thought to myself, this is probably a good time to pick it up because it's a, it's a relatively new game. It yeah. uses ray tracing technology um which i really wanted to check out and um 
you know, I knew graphically it was going to be, you know, it would be a good way to really test the system out too, because it was, it was a, a new sort of like current thing that I could try that would really be able to help me push uh, graphical capabilities and see how well things were going to run overall. So I'm like, this seems like a good fit. And then I pull up the, uh, cause it was, I, I think I went to find it on steam at first and it's not on steam. So I had mm. to get it from the Epic Game yeah. Store, which I had never downloaded right. uh, before. So I, I downloaded that. I, I pulled it up. And here they're running a sale on it. So it was uh, 50% off. So it was like $29.99. But then I guess just for downloading Epic Games Launcher, Epic gave me a $10 uh, coupon or something. Awesome. <laughs> or maybe it's part of the sale where they just give $10 to everybody. I don't know. Um, but I used the $10 on it, and because uh, the, the purchase was a qualifying amount, I got another $10 credit just oh, for buying geez. the game, basically. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yes, yeah, so I have another 10 bucks I can use on, yeah. on something else, and, and I think it just keeps going. Like, if I buy another game, uh, I forget what the threshold is. I want to say maybe it's, maybe it's only 15 bucks. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, basically, if you're buying a game and, and the, uh, the end amount is more than $15, then you get a ten dollar, uh, you know, credit that you can use on something else. So, Man. so yeah. And then uh, they also had the premium version of GTA Five for free. Yeah, they just that was a, own forever. Yeah, crazy, right? So I I've never played GTA Five before, but oh, you know man. I I don't know if I'll play it, but I figure I may as well claim it now while I can, and yeah. then I have it if I decide to to get into that. Um, I did also, I've downloaded. Um, well, to, to, again, to kind of test out the computer, I downloaded Sea of Thieves nice. and was running that at the max settings, which, oh my gosh, man, I can't believe how good that game looks. It's, in, it's amazing. Yeah. Like it's kind of cartoony, but at the same time, the water in it, the just water, is the lighting, like it's, yeah. it, it's a really sharp game for sure. It is. Yeah. But then I also, and you'll be happy to hear this. I downloaded, uh, Yakuza zero. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> and Yakuza Kiwami. Nice. Um, so I'm I'm hoping you know maybe after Control. Yeah. Because um, Final Fantasy XIV has been eating up a lot of my time. Sure. If I can kind of pull myself away for long enough to finish Control, <laughs> um, you know I can get try and get back to uh, Yakuza because I, I watched a little bit of. You know, obviously you showed me the thing with the the comparisons <laughs> yeah. from Final Fantasy VII to the Yakuza series. Yeah. And then I was sort of, I was watching a little bit of a stream. Uh, one of the streamers I watch, Co Carnage, he was recently playing Yakuza 3. And so I was watching a little bit of that and I'm like, you know, damn it. Like I do kind of like, <laughs> I, I kind of want to play just for the story. So I don't know. It might be one of those things where I just put it on easy so I can just steamroll everything yeah, yeah. just to get the story of it. Um, because that, that was the one thing in whenever I did try playing Yakuza 0 is that I just didn't love the combat of it. Yeah, um, and it's the combat is is super repetitive, and I don't think it's mm -hmm, the selling yeah. point. But it also right. is one of those things that uh, does evolve over time. So like, yeah, you it, you do have like a, a circle of upgrade points and branching trees that you kind of can upgrade things as you go along. So you unlock new finisher moves and uh, different types of attacks and stuff like that. So it does it, surface level. It's very like punch jab kick and then eventually you're doing crazy crazy things so it does get a little bit better but i i totally understand that criticism yeah it was it was it was that and it was the fact that like 
like as I was walking down the street, like I was constantly getting people trying to fight me. It's like, look, I'm, I'm just trying to. And I know I complained about it before, and it's like, <laughs> I'm just trying to get to the next objective yeah. thing. Like, please just leave, leave me, alone me alone for yeah. five minutes. Totally. Um, but yeah, so I I think I do want to try uh, giving them that giving that another shot. Yeah, that's awesome. Keep it. I'll keep in mind Yakuza Zero. I don't know how it look on a PC. It probably looks pretty good. Um, but it was developed uh, with the older engine that they used. I don't even know what engine they used. But then they de- came. They created their own new engine the, i think it's the dragon engine or something like that and that's what kiwami and kiwami 2 and then i think yakuza 6 and then obviously 7 that's coming out so the those games look way better and they'll actually look really nice where zero kind of feels like a last gen kind of title for that reason mm, but gotcha. zero definitely uh, having played some of the story like zero has a great story so if you're you're in for it for that i think you'll like it for myself, I really don't have too much to talk about because I've just been plugging away at Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I, yeah, I mean, I could probably talk about this game for the rest of my life because it is so <laughs> freaking big. It's huge. It's yeah. huge. I didn't understand how big it was until you get into the world and <laughs> see like, because like the game starts off on this smaller island and that's considered like the prologue. And it took me Mm -hmm. about five or six hours to kind of, well, I don't know if it was quite that long, but you know, it's lengthy. It's lengthy. And before you actually get off that island and it says Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So (laughs) it's like once you thought there was that area to explore and then you start going to some of the other, uh, continents and, uh, or islands, I should say, and the you start realizing, like, holy crap, this one's pretty big that I'm on, but look at this one. I haven't even gone to this one. This one's, like, for level 50s over here, and it's huge. So, yeah, I'm really having a fun time just, like, uh, getting lost in the world. Like, I'll, I'm kind of completing the main quest, but I will basically, on my way to a certain waypoint, I'll just kind of like, oh, there's a cave in here. Let's go explore it. Or I see an awesome high point that I can jump off and do a swan swan dive off of. Let's go do that and <laughs> stuff like that. So I've just been, it's just been like really fun to play. Um, I'm really enjoying like the story. I got to a kind of a more pivotal moment in the story, which I don't want to spoil. Uh, but that, uh, yeah, it made me even more excited to play it. So I just, I, this game would be, now, there, there are some criticisms, like, it does feel samey in certain sections, because the map is huge, but that's also to be expected with a map that size, that if I go to this, you know, camp of bandits, it's, the camp looks identical to one on a different island, right? Like, it's like, okay, that's, but that's also very Ubisoft, right, with even games like Far Cry or Ghost Recon, Wildlands, or, um really any of their games kind of have that um feeling to it but it's uh if this game if this game came out in a year where red dead redemption 2 and god of war weren't didn't also come out like i feel like this would have won game of Mm -hmm. the year because it's just like the um, the amount of work that went into developing this game like recording all the the lines the, the voice acting lines of dialogue and 
all the characters and the combat is awesome like unlocking different abilities and i love the fact that i can like and i don't think they're the first game to ever do this but when you get like a a really dope piece of armor that makes your character look awesome you basically unlock the visual of that item so let's say i then get you know the next level of armor that is better statistically for protection I can actually revert it back to the visual of the the weaker mm-hmm. level armor. And yep. I, I think that's been done in other games, but I'm just like, that's the first time I've experienced a game like that. So uh, yeah, that's really cool. Like there's just uh, the naval combat's pretty fun. Uh, diving for treasure in the ocean and stuff like that with and fighting sharks and coming across the different wildlife. Like the game is just, I, it's in insane and i can't believe more people haven't uh even just tested it out because like i know you've played it um and you didn't finish it which i can understand because i know for a fact i don't think i'm gonna finish it either but uh it's it's just a, a game that i think is worth experiencing if you care about games that are impactful because i i think this mm-hmm. game is is that level that's how good it is so yeah i mean it's 100 percent worth playing like even if it's you know, a little too daunting to, yeah. to finish. And, and that was, um, y- you know, I think one of the points we made just to kind of harken back to our final fantasy seven episode, uh, that we did, like, yeah. it's not, it's not bad to have, uh, linear games like that when there's so many like open world games out there. Yeah. But I mean, as far as open world goes, like they did an incredible job. It's just so huge yeah. that it's, it's, uh, it, it makes it really hard. I think for a lot of people to finish, finished games like yeah. that but i mean it's it's 100 percent worth the play i'm glad i played it i i made it i mean i'd say a decent way into the story like definitely not far enough mm-hmm. but yeah like kind of there were some very interesting plot developments that occurred and um <clears throat> i would have liked to have been able to experience it a little bit more but it, it did just get to a point where it's like i there's other stuff going on totally. like in life and yeah. other games I want to play. And, and then I just, you know, you put it down for a little bit and then it, it's harder you know, you, and harder you try to and boot back. it back yeah. up. And it's like, what the hell was I doing? Yeah, exactly. Like- <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to, I'm there like, like a lot of, I've seen uh, origins and honesty pop up a lot on my Twitter feed. And I think that's people are, are excited for Valhalla. And um, so there's a lot of people from what I'm seeing, checking out this game at the same time, mm-hmm. I, before Valhalla was even announced, I had purchased this uh, bundle with Origins and stuff like that. So uh, then when Valhalla, it was like even more of a driving uh, drive for me to to play the game and stuff. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm consider like once we know when Valhalla is coming out and everything like that which and it sounds like it's going to be a launch game like i think that's going to be one of the launch games i uh pick up for next gen whatever it ends up being because if it 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 sounds like it's taking everything that origins and odyssey has been doing and and improving on that so i i like it i i under and there is i was caught off guard because they talk about how much this game is not really an assassin's creed game like there's some of the the dna left in there of mm-hmm. certain things that have been around like it's it's funny because meg's playing is the first assassin's creed game she's ever played so she's mentioning things that i'm like yeah like that's that's actually something that's been in assassin's creed for oh, like ever as long as i can remember or whatever um 
So there's still some of that that comes through, but I didn't realize that they would still have the whole synchronization part of it and the the, the present day storyline going on. Um, man, do I just like not care about that stuff? Yep, it's like hundred <laughs> percent. When I came to the first real, I had played literally. So I'm at uh, I want to say like twenty hours ish, and I'm only level fifteen. I don't know what the max level is, but it's definitely like up there i think it goes like, pretty high i think it's like yeah in the 50s 60s something like that yeah and uh i like got to the first point where the game because the game starts off in like present day and then um like there's you are introduced some some characters and then i went and played like literally like 15 18 hours of odyssey and then it brought me back to a cutscene in the present day and I had completely forgot that that was even going on and not only that I could care less I was like just get me back into the game like I had a place I wanted to explore and everything like that so yeah I'm, I'm gonna keep playing I will basically play this game until probably a couple weeks out from Last of Us Part 2 because I do want to do another full playthrough of Last of Us uh, nice. just to kind of get me ready for part two so that's kind of going to be my game that um i'm going to be playing so i apologize in advance if i bring this up uh, in the next couple episodes but uh no it'll be interesting to hear how like how your opinion either yeah. changes or stays yeah, the same like, throughout that so, for sure because of how long it is yeah, yeah. and kudos kudos to you if you're able to like stick with <laughs> it to the end too <laughs> yeah i mean i i would love to beat it um especially looking at uh, some of the DLC, like that Atlantis DLC looks dope. So I'm like, man, uh, there, and I've so, also seen so many screenshots of parts of the game that I have no idea when I'm coming up to those parts. Um, I don't know how far away they are, but I do want to experience them because they do get into a little bit more of the Greek mythology and mm -hmm. dealing with that kind of stuff. Um which I'm quite excited for. So it will be interesting once I finally come across more of that stuff. It was cool. Uh, one more thing before I move on to the next, my last game, and then we'll end off the show here is I had this crazy moment where there's a, uh, an island kind of on its own. It's a very small island with obviously only like a couple things to do on there. And I stopped in on there. There was one little side quest thing. And then there was some treasure that I needed to loot. And uh, there's this, basically you kind of climb up this mountain and there was this big free fall down into uh, a pool of water inside this cave and so I love doing that like I said it's my favorite thing is to find these big places that clearly the, they developed in a way that you can see like a ridge on a mountain or, or something that's like oh I can jump off of that I bet and so I didn't even like really look I just kind of like started making my way up there and then I saw down there jumped down there and I came across this, like, the walls were shaking and it was this big noise. And uh, I'm playing as Alexios. And he's like, uh, he's like, oh, he's like, what are those noises? Like, that is something not of this world. He's like, I need to come back here later. And so I'm mm -hmm. like, obviously, I need to unlock abilities to do certain, to access this area and stuff like that. But it just is like, it gets me those little teases there of, I can come back here to like, there's something there that they're, they're <laughs> making a point that putting that little, 
nugget in my mind to remember that there's something to be explored over there. So I'm excited to come across more of those things and actually see what it is that's behind that wall. So uh, lastly, really quick with Tony Hawk getting announced, I've been thinking about skateboarding nonstop and uh, yeah, so I booted up skate three because it's backwards compatible on Xbox one and yeah, it's, it's fun to just kind of play around with and everything like that. Uh, skate, compared to Tony Hawk, like Skate is more of a, a sim skateboarding game. There's still goofy things you can do in it, um, but it is... I kind of like the Skate games more than Tony Hawk because they are more realistic. They are more sim. The tricks that you do are more realistic. I mean, it's not like Tony Hawk where you can go from a dead stop to up a freaking half or quarter pipe and do a 900 or something like that like (laughs) this you need to actually build up speed and um yeah it's more realistic in that sense game uh i never liked three as much as i liked two because it was like they took away a bunch of like little details from two that just were no longer in three so it just didn't feel as full of a game but uh yeah this game I also wanted to play it because there is a spiritual successor to the skate games called uh, Skater XL that's supposed to come out sometime in the next couple months. I think I said June 2020 or July 2020, which also makes me nervous because it is like an indie developed game. And if they don't have a date like this close to it, it's like, is it going to get delayed? Um, but I'm just eager for skateboarding games because I think it was a couple years ago at e3 uh microsoft stage they had this game announced called session and it also looked like a skate game so i just want a like a net a current gen skateboarding game um that isn't like arcadey fun like tony hawk it would be it'd be cool to get that so i'm hoping that i get that next next month or whatever that skater xl comes out but yeah i Uh, skateboarding game is full of skateboarding i like skateboarding so i'm having fun (laughs) (laughs) all right let's wrap this show it's getting a little long question of the week last week i asked you guys a question and i unfortunately didn't get any responses but i also kind of blame myself because it was kind of a very specific question uh so let me bring it up here uh where is it So last week I asked, taking inspiration from games like Friday the 13th and Predator Hunting Grounds, what IP do you think would make a fun asymmetrical video game? So I thought that was a pretty cool question, um, but obviously it was a little difficult because no one came up with responses, but uh, Garrett did send one in that I will read out here for you guys. Um, Jeez. Uh, I think they can make a cool Power Rangers game in that style. Five to six people play as the Power Rangers and one person plays as the villain. You could have multiple villains to choose from with different powers and abilities and the Power Rangers would have to work together to defeat him as he would be too strong to defeat one-on-one. The Rangers could find weapons and power-ups to help them defeat the villain as well. So, first of all, Garrett, like that is a awesome answer, actually. It was, yeah, that was so good. Like, I freaking loved the power rangers growing up and we got like a power rangers game last year or this year i don't know when that was it was power rangers battle of the grid or something like that Mm -hmm. but it was like a fighting game and apparently it wasn't super great 
Um, and as corny and cheesy as Power Rangers are, I think like that's an IP that could trans translate well to video games. And I just feel like the franchise hasn't capitalized on that. So I think honestly that could make a good asymmetrical video game. Uh, and it would be cool to like set it up in a way that, you know, you, the, the, the different eras, um, of Power Rangers, um, and all the different versions of them that you could pull from and different villains and stuff like that. So, uh, obviously with a lot of focus on the, the original and stuff. So that'd be cool. Uh, what was your answer for this week's question? So, um, so I, I kind of have to, sure, um, the generic it. one is, is agreeing with Steven in that, uh, just a new left for dead. Oh yeah. Sorry. I forgot what? Steven, but he, Steven, sorry to cut you off, but he did mention, uh, cause I asked both of them. He's like, uh, I keep thinking of another addition to the left for dead franchise right now. So yeah, he mentioned that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that would be great. Although that wasn't really necessarily like asymmetrical, um, in a sense, like it was, it was basically two teams. It was just the other team, you know, one team was, was humans trying other, to survive. Yeah. The other team was, you know, zombies. So it's still team versus team. But, uh, my actual answer on this one is, uh, uh, monster hunter. Oh where, yeah, yeah. You know, one person is playing as, you know, Rathlos or, you know, whatever other number of, um, you know, monster hunter creatures there are to, to play as, um, you know, there's so many of them now. So there, there'd be a pretty, pretty large roster to, um, either be able to choose which one you're playing as, or, you know, even if it's just kind of like a randomized, um, you know, monster that you get to play as, you know, they all have their own unique uh, abilities and stuff when you fight them, you know, uh, normally, but, you know, then you have your team of like the hunters that, you know, could then hunt, uh, this other player down that's playing as the creature and, um, you know, maybe depending on what creature they're playing as, you know, that relates back to, uh, materials that you get if you win, um, or for breaking parts or whatever, you know, that sort of thing that you could use to make new gear. Mm -hmm. Um, even if it was just like cosmetic, you know, um, which I think it would almost have to be, but, um, I don't know. I thought that might be interesting. I on on the one hand, I kind of hate to see, you know, Monster Hunter. I feel like is perfect as is. Yeah. And. And I mean, it's splitting splitting the fan base. Sure. Might not be the greatest idea, but at the same time, I feel like that's a game that could potentially translate well to that asymmetrical play style. Yeah, and I I totally feel like uh, Evolve. I don't know if you remember yes. that game. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was trying to to go with that of hunting a monster where you got 4v1 or whatever yeah. and i just i think that yeah on the foundation that's a great idea um evolve wasn't able to execute that so yeah it, giving it to capcom to develop a game and then using that monster hunter franchise would be the smartest move and that yeah they could totally i think that would work well with with this type of game for myself, I had some couple ones that I came up with, but this one I'm selling on as my answer. So I think they should, I'm kind of keeping with this idea of Friday the 13th and Predator of taking movies from the 80s and picking John Carpenter's The Thing, which is, I don't know if you've ever seen The Thing, but it is a 
sci-fi it's been a long time. yeah it's a sci-fi horror movie where there's basically these research researchers um in i think it's antarctica it's somewhere really really cold and snowy and uh they come across this like extraterrestrial life form type thing it's called the thing <laughs> and uh it basically uh like assimilates and uh can like mimic um like other things like other people and stuff like that or animals um and so like i think that could create some really fun gameplay where you have people kind of like in predator of like a team of four doing certain objective based things um and then the thing you know being that predator or being jason or whatever come and using some of the 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 ways that it can like mimic things um and mess with people and stuff like that uh, i think would be really fun to play as the thing i don't know if the there'd be too much fun for the the researchers but i think being the thing and like terrorizing these people in this remote uh isolated camp and stuff like that could could translate well to to that genre or whatever but and i guess uh keeping in with you know kind of older movies uh you know i guess since since it kind of worked with predator maybe uh maybe terminator yeah totally could could work that was one i thought of for sure i mean alien makes a a, is a pretty obvious choice too right Right. just literally replace predator with alien there you go (laughs) yeah (laughs) that could uh i mean and like dead by daylight is asymmetrical game that's cashed in on Mm-hmm. because like horror obviously translates to this drama it, yeah genre really well yeah because like you have one the survival villain. aspect of it and yeah because like in, in some of these ones like um you know like evolve and i guess maybe even predator I, I haven't seen a whole lot of that like you're you're actively attacking the the person on the other side mm-hmm. right whereas uh you know friday the 13th and dead by daylight that's very much like you're we're, just trying to escape. Yeah, yeah, we can't kill this thing, so yeah. we're just trying to get out, get the hell out of yeah, here. Yeah, totally. So. so yeah, horror definitely works really well yeah. with with that. All right, this week's question, and I feel like this is a, a one that everyone must have have had experience with at some point. But what is the best cheat code you have ever used? So this could relate to any video game. Basically, it's like if you could pick a cheat code from a video game as your number one, which one would it be? So I'm really looking forward to, to hearing, uh, hearing hopefully more responses. Cause I mean, cheat codes are a, kind of a thing of the past now. And it'd be really cool to get a bunch of answers on all the cheat codes that games used to have back in the day. Cause I, I have, I mean, that's one of the things I love doing. Um, you know, when I was a kid is taking games and, just going into like god mode essentially and doing all the crazy things is like breaking the game almost open and and seeing everything that's inside it so i yeah i'm excited for that question so you guys can respond with your answers you can email us at contact at games or you can respond to the question as it's posted over on twitter at games are fun pod or on facebook facebook.com slash games are fun all right Well, that concludes this episode of Games Are Fun. Adam, where can people find you? 
and you can find me on uh, Twitter and Twitch at AdamPalooza85. Awesome. You can follow me at Luke Allen Arm. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Games Are Fun, and we will talk to you guys all next week.